Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. As I have mentioned to you last week, we will continue on this theme of understanding the mind of Christ. Of course, this is a vast subject, as I mentioned to you last Sunday. And also today, I'm not sure we're going to finish it, but we will take it as far as our time will allow us to go. I want us to fully appreciate and understand how precious and how valuable is the mind of Christ, how vitally important it is for every believer to allow this mind, the mind of the Spirit or the mind of Christ, which is the same thing, to dominate and to govern our very thought life in every area of our lives. So. We will once again, some of the things that I'm going to mention to you today, of course, will be a repetition, but repetition is vitally important. I believe repetition helps us to retain what we have learned. I think it is Zig Ziglar who said that repetition is the mother of learning, the father of action, which enables it uh, and, the, and the architect of accomplishment. So it's important for us to repeat over and over again certain things. That's how I learned uh, the number of my identity card. I repeated it, I memorized it, I repeated it until I retained it. And so it's not a burden for me to say things again and again, the same things, but it's beneficial for you. Let's go to our foundational scriptures. One of them is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. And uh, the second one is from Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16. I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him is a question mark at the end of him. And he answers that question by saying, but we have the mind of Christ. And in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, we read again from the Apostle Paul to the Philippians, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we are going to continue with this study in order to understand and familiarize ourselves with the mind of Christ, or as it is referred to in other places in the Bible, the mind of the spirit or the spiritual mind. It is the same mind as the mind of Christ. So the purpose of this study, of course, as I mentioned to you last Sunday, 
is to help us familiarize ourselves with the spiritual mind so that we can let it dominate, permeate, and govern our thoughts and our attitude in every area of our lives. The Bible says that even though we are in the world, we are not of it. We are in the world, but we are not of the world, meaning that we should not allow the wisdom or the spirit of this age to dominate, to govern our attitude, our thoughts, or our behavior as the people of this world are. But we are, the Bible says, to be transformed. Another word for transformed is changed into the image of Christ as we renew our minds with the thoughts of God. To be changed into the image of Christ or to be transformed so that we can resemble or we can portray and represent Christ the Lord in the world that we live in. Transformation, therefore, can only take place if we are willing to change the way we think, if we are willing to change our mindset, the way we think, then only transformation can take place in our lives. You see, even though we may have the mind of Christ, the Bible says that it does not work independently from our own will. Unfortunately, this is the reason why Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. To let means to allow, to give access to in our way of thinking. So I want you to remember this. I've said this last Sunday. It's a very important statement, and it is this that whoever governs the mind governs the person. Whoever governs your mind governs you because the person will always follow where the mind goes. You will always ultimately follow where your thoughts lead you. So whoever governs your mind And there are only two forces, the forces of evil and the forces of God. There is the mind of the spirit, and there is also the mind of the flesh. One is from above, the other is from beneath. And these two minds are in contradiction to each other. They do not agree, they will never agree. So whoever governs your thought life will ultimately govern your life your attitude, your actions. This is what um, I found a quote by Zig Ziglar. This is what he says. You are what you are, and you are where you are because of what has gone into your mind. You change what you are, and you change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. That's a very accurate statement. We are where we are. We are what we are 
because of what we have allowed our mind to think on. The book of Proverbs says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if we want to change where we are or what we are, we're going to have to change what goes on into our mind. So, you see, I believe that the battle of the mind becomes the most important battle in the life of the believer. One that the believer must win in order to advance, in order to mature in the things of the Spirit. There is no maturity without a change of mindset. That's where it begins. The more our minds are renewed with the mind of Christ, the more we grow, the more we mature. Therefore, it is a vitally important battle that goes on every single day of our lives, every hour. If we're going to grow and mature in the things of the Spirit, we need to overcome and we need to win this battle. And I also believe that the mind of the Spirit is the key to an overcoming life. It is the key to an overcoming life. It is also the key that gives us access into the realm of the supernatural, the renewing of our mind. The mind of Christ gives us access into the realm of the supernatural, into the mind of God. It is also, I believe, the gateway to spiritual maturity and the formation of Christ-like character in us. We cannot grow in the image of Christ unless we put on the mind of Christ. So it's important for us to understand this. But it is also the key that gives us access into the fullness of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. So you see how important it is for us to pursue, to obtain, to put on, to let this mind be in us, to dominate, to permeate our thought life so that our actions are in agreement with what we believe in our hearts. So, I also believe Here's another statement that's very important. Our thoughts and perceptions, the way we think and the way we perceive things, is the cornerstone or the governing factor of our attitude and of our behavior. It is the cornerstone or the governing factor of our attitude and our behavior. Wrong thinking produces bondage. Right thinking produces freedom. The Bible says the mind of the flesh leads to death and corruption, but the mind of the spirit leads us to life and peace. So, and throughout the scriptures, particularly the New Testament, the believer is taught, in fact, commanded and instructed to renew his mind so that he may prove that which is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. 
If you want to know that good will of God, what the will of God is for you, what the purposes of God are for you, what God has called you to do and how he has called you to do it, it is imperative that your mind is renewed with the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit knows. The Spirit knows you. The Spirit knows who you really are in Christ. And the Spirit knows what God has called you to do and how He has called you to do it. So if you are to discover that and to walk in, the, in that perfect will of God, you need to put on the mind of the Spirit or the spiritual mind. <clears throat> the only way for us to become intimate, knowledgeable with the will of God, the purposes of God, is to obtain the spiritual mind. So it is my conviction, and it has been for a very long time, That's why I'm teaching on this subject over and over again, because I believe it's the key to growth, to maturity. It is the key to accessing the blessings of God, to walk in the reality of the blessings of God. So it is my conviction that the greatest need and the most urgent need of the church is to learn how to let the mind of the Spirit dominate our attitude, and our thought life. That is the key, excuse me, to growth and development. Now, last Sunday, we began to examine the nature of the mind of Christ. And we established the fact that one of the foremost characteristics of the mind of Christ is humility. Humility. The essence of humility in a biblical sense is to simply agree with God. Agree with God. Let your mind be in agreement with God who is in our spirit. In the eyes of God, I believe that humility is of great value, great price. And It protects us from the sin of pride. It protects us from the sin of pride, but also makes us attractive to the grace of God. The more we allow the the humility of Christ, the mind of the Spirit, to clothe us, the more of His grace we attract. We become a magnet that attracts the favor and the grace of God. And humility, therefore, is the ingredient that keeps us within the realm of God's grace, but also empowers us to overcome and to endure the most trying and the most difficult circumstances or situations that we may find ourselves in. That's the key. It is. It is the ingredient that holds us and keeps us within the realm of God's grace, where grace functions to its maximum. But it also, grace empowers us and gives us the ability to overcome or to endure even the most trying and difficult circumstances. 
And Paul mentions some of these hardships he was facing. Remember, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and in verse 10, he mentions some of these hardships that he went through, and he lists them as reproach, needs, distresses, persecutions, and infirmities, he says. And he names these hardships as a thorn in his flesh. Many believe that the thorn in Paul's flesh, and they teach that, that it was some kind of sickness or disease. I don't believe that. Because he himself clarifies what that thorn in his flesh was. He said it was a messenger of Satan that was sent to torment him wherever he went. And if you look at in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy or Numbers, I think, 35, it clarifies that the thorn in the flesh are the, were the enemies of Israel. He said to them, if you, do, if you do not cast them out of your land, they will be like irritation in your eyes and like thorns in your flesh. There were people, they were, they were the enemies of the nation of Israel. So he clarifies that and he says, it was a messenger of Satan because, he says, he was sent. He didn't say God sent him. He said a messenger of Satan was sent because of the abundance of the revelations that I received and because he was an effective witness of the resurrection of Jesus and he was extending in a mighty way, in the power of the Spirit, the influence of the kingdom of God, Satan sent this messenger to torment him, to harass him, and to distract him from what he was doing. And he says, for this I prayed three times, and I have asked the Lord to remove this thorn. God's answer was, listen to, um, we're not going to read that, but you can read it yourself in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. God's answer to Paul was, My grace is sufficient for you, for in your weakness my strength is made perfect, or my grace is made perfect. You see, God didn't remove the messenger of Satan from Paul's life, but he gave him sufficient grace when he humbled himself, when he clothed himself with humility to endure and to even take pleasure in these hardships that he was going through. Man, it takes a lot of grace to take pleasure in infirmities, in distresses, in needs, in persecutions. Paul was so content to allow the power of God or the grace of God to rest so mightily upon him that he was even taking pleasure in all of these things. It was like he was saying, my weakness is the portal of God's grace or God's ability to work in my life. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see here, what we learn from Paul's testimony is that he discovered the secret that humility was the key for the grace of God to work through him without restrictions and without limitations.
and how desperately we need the grace of God to be able to work in us and through us without us restricting it through our pride or through our self-effort. It's a wonderful lesson to learn. So let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it, (laughs) but you need to answer it for yourself. What is it that you're facing today that seems to overwhelm you? It's too much to bear. And you've even cried out to God and say, Lord, I can't take any more of this. It is too much for me. I can't handle it. I can't manage it. I can't endure it. I know I've cried like that to the Lord many a time. What is that one thing that you prayed over and over again and again for God to remove it from your life? But it's still there. Think about it. Well, the answer to that, learn from Paul. Learn from his testimony that God's grace is more than enough. God's grace is sufficient for you when you allow the mind of the Spirit to clothe you with humility. As we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, The grace of God empowers, enables for us to rise above it or even to go through it and endure it. Some mountains in our life, we are instructed to speak to them in order to remove them. But there are other mountains that we are required to climb them. And it takes a lot of grace a lot of stamina, a lot of backbone, a lot of endurance to climb those mountains. And as we climb, we learn. As we climb, we grow. As we climb, our character is being fashioned. It is being molded into the image of Christ. We endure. We learn to be patient. We learn to persevere. And all of those wonderful lessons that sometimes we cry out to God to remove them from our lives. But, as the Lord said to Paul, Paul, humble yourself, for my grace is sufficient for you. Because when you humble yourself, my grace will will be able to lift you up above or enable you to endure what you're going through. So that's concerning humility. I want to go into another aspect of the mind of the Spirit as we read uh, a couple of verses from the epistle to the Colossians, chapter 3, and verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read from the New King James Version and also from the Amplified Classic Translation. Paul is writing to the Colossians and he says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. The Amplified Classic says in verse 2, of Colossians 3, 
and set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. A very important statement. You see, the mind of the Spirit is from above, is not from beneath. It receives its nature and its thoughts from the Spirit, not from the flesh. It is, in other words, the mind of heaven. That's where we come from. And it is set, this spiritual mind, this mind of Christ, it is set on higher things, things which are above. Well, you ask the question, what is above? Well, Paul explains that in the same epistle, further down in chapter 3, verses 12 through to 15. What is above? Paul explains to them. And this is what he says. In Colossians 3, verse 12 through to 15, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Here we see. Because, he says, you are the elect of God, the beloved of God, the holy of God, you are to put on this mindset which is from above. Now, to the Philippians, remember, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. To the Colossians, he says, put on this heavenly mind, this mind of the Spirit. To the one he says, let him in, let this mind in you, and to the Colossians says, put on this mind. Well, how do, how do we do that? Well, we're going to explain that. Hopefully, uh, if we don't finish today, we'll finish next Sunday. He goes on to say that this, this spiritual mind, this heavenly mind, this mind of Christ is full of tender mercies. It is a merciful mind. Any thought that you and I have that does not contain the mercy of God is not from above, it's from beneath. Any thought of vengeance, any thought of offense, you have an offense against someone because of what he did, what he said, and uh, you hold it, you repeat it. Well, that is not from above, that's from beneath. We've just read, if you have ought against somebody, forgive, release, let him go. And he says, this mind is full of tender mercies. It is full of kindness. The spiritual mind is kind, not unkind. It is also meek, not weak, but meek. It is long-suffering. 
In other words, it suffers along without complaining. Amen? You can suffer along and complain at the same time, but the mind of Christ suffers along and is thankful. Amen? It is full of forgiveness, full of forbearance, full of love. It is a peaceful mind. And it is also thankful. Amen? And he lists those qualities, those attributes, in order for us to understand, to familiarize ourselves with the mind of Christ. These are the thoughts of Christ. These are the thoughts of the Spirit. These are the thoughts that are from above. Further, before this, he lists the thoughts that are from beneath, and he goes on to say, ungodliness, disobedience, sexual immorality, and on and on and on. These are from beneath. And he says, put off these things and put on this mindset, which is from above. Well, as I said, how do we do that? We're going to answer it in due time. How do you, how do you put on? It's not like, uh, well, we know how to put on our clothes in the morning, uh, but it's, it's not the same. This is a spiritual exercise that we, we willingly and purposefully put on. It is a matter of a will. It is a choice that we make to put on this new mindset, this mind of the Spirit. Also, let's look at another characteristic of the mind of, of the Spirit. The Bible says that the mind of the Spirit is a generous mind. Generous mind. The generous mind, of course, is one that is liberal, willing to distribute not just resources, but everything. Willing to give of your time, willing to give of your wisdom freely, willing to offer understanding to someone who's going through a difficult time. It is, um, it is forgiving. Uh, in forgiveness, it is generous. It does not hold a grudge, does not keep offense. It releases, it frees people generously. And it gives kindness and love and, and all of those things that we've just read. And one thing I've learned about this, this mind of the Spirit also, it is not restricted to lack. You know why? Because it can take what is little and make it much. It can take what is little and make it abundant. Well, we see that Jesus being governed by the mind of heaven or by the spirit of generosity, he took five loaves and he took two fish. And what did he do? He fed thousands of people with that little. That's the way the spiritual mind thinks. It doesn't think lack. It is not restricted by lack because it is unfamiliar to the spiritual mind. Whether mi that mind from above doesn't understand lack because there's no lack in heaven. Amen? There's abundance from all. So the spiritual mind, not only it is generous, but 
there are no limits and no impossibilities to the mind of the Spirit. To, to that mind, all things are possible. And it does not believe in scarcity. It's not, not tolerate, if I can put it that way, thoughts of lack or poverty. Because as I said, where it comes from, there is no such things. It's a whole new mindset. You may have nothing before you, but your mind is focused on heaven. And you know that all things are yours. You know that because you're a child of God, you have access to the treasure house and to the storehouses of heaven. The Bible says we are joined heirs with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You know, we need to meditate on these, on these, on these realities that the Word of God communicates to us. He says, you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You are an heir of God. You are a child of God. Your Father is the creator of all. Amen? This is the way God wants us to think and to act as though we are. That's faith, believing. Amen? So, uh, people who are led and governed by this mindset, this, this, this mind of generosity, they live to give and give liberally because they know that heaven's resources are at their disposal to do good, to distribute, and to be a blessing to others. They know that. Amen? Are you with me? Listen to what Paul said to the Corinthians. Chapter 3, verse 21 through to 23. He says, Let no man boast in men, for all things are yours. All things are all things. He says they're yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. What does that mean? That means you have all. They are at your disposal. If you can only think and believe. Amen? Your heavenly Father knows what your needs are. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So, we must allow this mind to govern our actions, our thoughts, our behavior, thoughts of generosity, to saturate our mind, because we know and we believe that we are joined heirs with Christ and heirs of God. Amen? Are you still with me? Praise God. Well, we have a few minutes left. We're not going to finish it again today. I'm going to give one more characteristic, and I'm going to close it, and we'll pick it up next week. The spiritual mind is flexible and teachable. It is not argumentative. It does not endeavor to push its opinions on others or its point of view. It is flexible, it is teachable, 
and it is willing to learn. It is not argumentative. And I believe that every believer needs to cultivate this attitude, this mind, so that we can be discipled. You cannot disciple anybody who does not have a flexible and a teachable attitude and a mindset. If they think they know it, they're not going to learn anything from you. This is what Zig Ziglar said. If you are not willing to learn, no one can help you. Did you hear that? If you are not willing to learn, no one can help you. And if you are determined to learn, no one can stop you. Wow, what a statement. If you are determined to learn, no one can stop you. <laughs> I was reading something the other day, and I read this, that a poor man has a large TV and a small library. <laughs> but a wealthy man has a small TV and a large library. They're willing to learn. They're willing to cultivate their minds. They, they're thirsty. They're hungry for knowledge, for understanding, for wisdom. So they read, they study, they research. But if we're not willing to learn, no one can help us. That's so true. And I don't believe that anybody can be discipled who is not humble or flexible. And that's why we need to cultivate a flexible mind that is broad enough to learn or to accept others' opinions, others' points of view, regardless whether we agree with them or not. So giving people the freedom to be themselves, who they want to be, these are the marks of a spiritual mind or a spiritual person. I'm going to um, <clears throat> close it here because our time is, is up. I want to leave some time for prayer. And um, I trust that the Lord will enable us and help us to understand how precious and how important it is for us to cultivate, to study, to search out, and to familiarize ourselves with the qualities of the spiritual mind and allow that mind to govern our thoughts. But the Spirit of God just prompted me in conclusion to, um, to just say to you this, if you are struggling with a particular area in your life concerning your thoughts that are persistent, that, that constantly harass you, these kind of thoughts, I want you to reach out. I want you to send me an email or to the ministry team and ask for prayer and help. And I'm going to, I'm going to close with a testimony in relation to how do we put on this mind? How do we let this spiritual mind permeate our thought life? Many years ago, when I was just born again, just a few months old, I was plagued by consistent thoughts of fear of falling away. The, the enemy bombarded me with these thoughts. They, they became so consistent and so persistent 
in my thoughts, you're going to fall away. You're going to fall from grace. You're going to fall away. And um, I, I never, I never reached out to anybody. I didn't share it with anybody, not even with my wife. But in prayer, one day, as I was in prayer and study of the word, I came across a verse of scripture. I want to show you that verse, which has become my, my deliverance. Um, it is found in the book of Jude, verses 24 and 25. I will never be able to forget these verses of Scripture. To this day, I can quote them off by heart. I don't know how many times I took these verses and put them in my mind again and again and again, and I thought of them, I thought of them, I studied them, I meditated on them constantly for days until that stronghold of fear was destroyed and demolished. This is what the Word says. I came across these verses of Scripture. That's why I love the Word of God. The Bible says He sent His Word and did what? He healed them. The Word healed them. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God sends His Word to you and to me. If we receive that Word and retain it, plant it into our minds and our hearts, that Word will bring forth fruit in due time. This is what He said, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory, with exceeding joy to the only wise God and our Savior be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and ever. Amen. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling. You see, these verses spoke directly to the fears that the enemy was putting in my mind. You see, fear is a spirit. The only way you can fight a spirit is with another spirit. And the Word of God contains the Spirit of God, the thoughts of God. The way you defeat the thoughts of the enemy is by taking the thoughts of God and putting them into your mind again and again and again and repeating them and quoting them out loud. For how long? Until those strongholds of fear, of worry, of anxiety are cast down. They are rooted out of your mind and they are destroyed. And you see, some of these thought patterns or strongholds, they come from, they travel from one generation to the next. Someone has to stand up and break that hole so that those that will come after you do not have to fight the same battles you fought. If you do not win over those thoughts, they will continue to torment you and your children after you. Are you listening to me? This is a battle that we must win. It's the battle of the mind. And I said last, last Sunday that the most decisive and fiercest battles 
are fought in the realm of the spirit in our thought life. Here, right here, in between our ears. Amen? Praise God. So, if you are struggling with thought patterns that are inconsistent with the mind of Christ, and you do not know where to go or what scriptures to use, reach out. Ask for prayer. Ask for help. We are here to minister to you. We are here to help you. Amen? All right. So we close in prayer. Let's just give thanks to the Lord for His Word. Father, we thank You that You have given us the mind of Christ, Your Word says. We have the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit of God indwells us. He lives within our spirits. We do have the mind from above, the mind of the Spirit. Please teach us, Lord, how to let this mind permeate our thought life, dominate the processes of our thinking, to govern us in our thoughts in every area of our lives. We thank you, Lord. Teach us how to put on this heavenly mind, this spiritual mind that will empower us to live as we ought to and to adequately represent Jesus Christ the Lord. Your word says we are ambassadors of Christ. Lord, teach us to live in that ambassadorial ministry. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.